Welcome to Business of Design. Business of Design is the world's best business training for interior design professionals like you. The Business of Design podcast offers immediate, actionable strategies and a glimpse into some of the many field-tested, proven systems you can implement to transform your business and your life. After the show, head to businessofdesign.com and get started with the BOD 15-step project management strategy and six foundational programs. Together, they deliver the systems, procedures, and strategies you need to run a successful, highly profitable design business. There's no theory here. The complete BOD business model is yours through Business of Design membership. Business of Design. There's only one. And now, your BOD Advocate-in-Chief, Kimberly Selden. Well, hey, you fabulous interior design professional. It is so good to be here. I'm Kimberly Selden. This is Business of Design, and you must be in a very exciting business. I know you are. I know it's dynamic. I know it's fast-paced. I know you have no time to mess around. And so we are going to jump into an amazing episode featuring a powerhouse of an interior design professional, Kylie Dean from Las Vegas, Nevada. Kylie is going to spend this episode talking about her superpower, and we're going to spend the first like five minutes of our chat referring to it as putting out fires. But really what it is, is an ability to look ahead and determine where there might be a challenge, anticipate that challenge, and fix it before it can happen. Spoiler alert, like so many episodes, Kylie's going to fall back and talk about systems, process, procedures, certain rules that she follows on every project so she doesn't find herself having to put out fires. You all know I'm a huge fan of the book The E-Myth by Michael Gerber. And there's a line in one of his books, and I'm going to botch it, I'm sure, but this is the general idea. If you don't have time to work on your business, you will have to make lots of time to put out fires because there's going to be disorder and chaos, and you're going to have a lot of client inquiries to deal with that are charged with lots of feelings, right? I didn't want to have any of that. So the whole purpose of me working with various business coaches was to create a system, an overall process where I could eliminate as many of those uncomfortable interactions as possible, and it is possible to do it. And Kylie is living proof of that. She's going to talk about how she calendars everything, and so do I. We'll talk about how important it is to set expectations really clearly. And here's the bottom line. If someone does something wrong on your job site, no matter how clear you think you were about setting the expectations, it probably wasn't clear enough. So I've constantly got to go back and say, could I have done a better job of communicating that? And if the answer is yes, I'm going to save myself so much trouble in future, right? It's a great episode. You are definitely in the right place. Thanks for being here, everyone. Hey, Cheryl, I feel like I've been, you know, kind of slacking or something recently. Hey, Kimberly. Uh, well, we, we gave you a couple weeks off after a really busy January and start to February. I know that hasn't been time off for you on the design side. You've still been busy there. But for Business of Design, a couple more weeks before you're back on the road. Uh, you're leaving next week for Australia. And of course, we've got our BOD 15 two-day intensive seminar, March 6th and 7th, uh, hosted by Boyd Blue in Sydney. That's going to be two very intensive days, boot camp version of the BOD 15, whether it's going to be a 
refresher for you, uh, an opportunity to clarify steps, or you're learning them for the first time, uh, you don't want to miss the seminar, and we do only have a couple of spots left. So make sure you register. There is still time. Full details on the website. And we have just confirmed that on the evening of day two, we have a private home tour organized by one of our BOD Boss members. So that's going to be really exciting as well. A little fun surprise at the end of the two days after working so hard. So please join us. Details are on the website. That's happening really soon. And then before that, happening tomorrow, BOD Live, which is our monthly member meeting. Tomorrow, we're going to be talking about vendors. So we want you to share who your favorite vendors are and specifically the products that you source from each of them. As well, if you've got questions, if there's uh, projects you're working on and you need to know where to source specific things that you're looking for, uh, this is your opportunity to ask. We know it's a popular conversation within the BOD uh, community Facebook group, so we thought it would be great to come you know, face-to-face to have that same conversation. So you do need to be a member of Business of Design to attend these meetings and it's not too late to sign up. And if you are already a member, just head to your member dashboard and click the button to join right before the start time, which is 1 p.m. EST. We hope to see you there. Talk to you soon. I love that at the end of the announcements, I think all I have to do this month is go to Australia. Like that's not a big deal. (laughs) It feels like a lot, especially given that I have so many clients. But uh, anyway... And I'm not going to worry about any of that right now. I've got a team who's going to take care of that while I am in beautiful Australia. If you haven't signed up for the Sydney program yet, please do two full intensive days plus a fun little party on the second night. Thank you, Genevieve Wild, for arranging that. Can't wait to see you all face to face and enjoy this episode, episode 312 averting project trouble with Kylie Dean. Makes her sound like a superhero. She kind of is. Enjoy, everyone. Kylie Dean, how are you? I am awesome. How are you? I'm good. Now, you and I attempted to record... Oh, I do not like this angle of me that you can see um, (laughs) as I'm leaning in. Kylie's getting a full close-up view of my neck no makeup this morning. Um, We attempted to record a podcast together when we were at Las Vegas Market last week, but there was a huge HVAC system in the room where we were supposed to record the podcast. Exactly. Listen Listen how crazy it sounds. Kylie, what is that buzzing? Turn your hair dryer off already. (laughs) What the hell? There's like a really loud HVAC. So I think this is madness. This is the podcast room. Right. We're just going to, yeah, we're going to go to another space and we'll record there. Yeah, I'll catch up with you later. Okay. See, we were not making that up, right? Yeah, that's funny. I love it. Funny enough, the topic we were going to talk about and the topic we are going to talk about right now is about how to prevent fires in your business. Because I remember when I first started out, that's all I ever did. I was just constantly running from one disaster to another disaster. And Kylie feels like now she's gotten to a place in her business where she's confident and assured. And one of your superpowers, I think, is actually preventing fires, which is way better than putting fires out. So tell everybody what that even means. Preventing fires. Well, you know, with within my experience, I've noticed that most contractors these days don't know how to do that. And 
they would rather put fires out than prevent them. You mean they're 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 not capable of looking down the road and anticipating the trouble that's going to come? Yeah, you know, I'm not even sure if it's if it's they they don't have the ability to look down the road or they just don't care to look down the road. I don't know if they care about their it, the ones that I've worked with here in Vegas have have shown me that they they're not as worried about their profit margins as I am. You know, and preventing the fires is going to create a better profit for you in the long run. And I think that they just don't they don't they don't put those pieces together when we're doing renovation projects, not full builds, you know, where we're working with a builder that's got systems, but. Right. So I wonder if it's, if it's also that when you're in that state of overwhelm, and I remember that state because I lived in it for about a decade where I was constantly running from one job to the next. I just didn't even have time to give thought to what might happen or how to create a better system or whatever. So is that part of it? Probably. I think, um, well, especially in the last few years, the overwhelm with everybody has, has made these fire putting out abilities stronger and they've not focused on preventing them. That's what I've noticed for sure. And I know that we've been struggling with that as well, but we still with your systems has, it has changed so much in, in the last six years of my business to help me prevent the fires even through COVID, you know? So that's the one thing I wanted to say about preventing the fires. If you don't have a system, it's going to be very hard. You're going to be a firefighter. You're not going to be a a designer, you know? (laughs) They're all wondering like, how long are they going to continue with this metaphor about fire? So let's get specific for them, right? (laughs) Yeah. (laughs) We could go all day, people. Um, Yeah. So specifically, you're talking about you're leading this exciting, fast-paced business. You've got projects. I know you have one project that's a $12 million house that you're working on, which is super exciting. So you're busy. How do you find the time and the bandwidth to slow down and look for where there's going to be trouble ahead? And can you give us some good, solid examples? Sure. So I think um, step one for me is the systems. Step two is calendar everything. You have to calendar. I have to calendar my days. If I don't, something's going to get missed. Um, And then the third is definitely looking back at your week and making sure that you've done what you need to do. But for instance, we just had uh, an issue with tile. Um, at a project, we order, we order in our business, we order our surfaces. So we order the tile, the, the slabs and everything. We don't contract with the contractor though. My client does. So we do a little bit of a different thing than you do. But so we order the tile, it gets, it gets sent directly to the project. And, you know, our GC says, we're going to start tile today. Of course, he only gives us, you know, a couple of days notice. He doesn't have a calendar to make sure that we can make sure that we're there. Right. <laughs> that's, that's one thing that we have to fight with. But so they tell us that they're going to be um, putting tile in. And so I have to adjust my calendar so that I can make sure and go out there myself or my assistant to check the tile and make sure that the tile is correct. This last time, Thank God we did it because the tile for the master shower wall was not the right tile. 
Um, and different colors, they were this totally wrong. Oh yeah. Everything. Yeah. It, it was literally a, uh, it, it was literally a white, uh, like an eight by 30 tile, uh, that went on the back wall that was supposed to be, um, a gray kind of, uh, line linear look. There was right. no gray in this tile at all. Um, <laughs> uh, None. We had this recently, and, and it was supposed to be a black matte tile, and it, it was brown, little flecks oh of brown God. and gray, and everything but black. And did it did it get installed, or did you catch it? I'm so ashamed. Yeah. Oh no. It, yeah, and the reason we didn't check the box ahead of time is because it was a flat black matte. What could go wrong? And by right. the time the tiler sent us a picture of it, we're like, "Hey, can you send us a few more?" pictures that looks like a weird what's happening with the color and it was a whole thing so uh even if it's a flat black mat even if it's a plain white go check the darn box before they start tiling okay go on but i digress definitely (laughs) definitely that is it and then it's like then you're going who's responsible you know, and, and then you're going to have issues with your contractor and then your, your contractor will have issues with the installer, you know, once it's put up and then you go there and you're on your site visit and you go, Oh, that's not right. You know, then you look bad. Every, that's why, you know, these designers get a bad name with contractors because they think that we're the ones that are at fault all the time. It's right. so funny. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. So that was, that was a fire prevention that I think that um, I'd like you know, my team to be more cognizant of is checking. Don't, don't depend on whether our purchase order is correct. Just because we ordered it correct doesn't mean it's going to get delivered correct. You know, that's the funniest thing too. When we went back to the supplier, they're like, well, what does the purchase order say? And what are the tags on the boxes? And I'm like, the tags on the boxes in the purchase order are correct to the product we want, but what's inside the boxes wow. isn't correct. Right. Right. That's, like, oh, trust wow, that's no crazy. one. Yeah, trust no. Them. No, that's it too. And yes, they should look at what they're picking up, but they're not. You they're know, their trades aren't going to look and make sure that the purchase order matches the box and <laughs> it's not going to happen. Never. No. So we have to do we just have to do so much extra work to make sure that we're we're um we're giving the client what they've ordered and you know, and then not stopping the project having to tear the tile off and redo the tile and wait that's if you can get the tile you know yeah oh yeah (laughs) exactly um but this ties into like one of the things I always go back to which is if I don't have control of the contractor I don't have control of the project like for example we have an installation calendar so we know when the tile is coming up but I, I, I understand that people work in different ways and I understand that often it's for liability that's what they they're told and that's what they think but it just at the end of the day it all falls apart and I have found over and over again that somehow or other it's going to be my fault so I might as well just make it all my responsibility and fix it I agree I agree and it's still for me too it's hard because I'm in Nevada and you know a lot of states don't have as a designer you are limited um and, and with mine, I don't have to be licensed here as a designer in Nevada, but I, the only thing that I really feel like I'm losing with not being licensed in Nevada is um, I just don't submit plans. I don't need to submit plans for me. I just don't feel like 
that's what I need in my wheelhouse. So I, I don't worry about that. So right. Much. You, you but can I outsource still... that to someone else. Exactly. Yeah. And now a word from our sponsors at Daniel House Club. Hey, you design pro, I've got a few questions for you. Are you feeling overwhelmed by countless vendor logins, sourcing from too many links, and tracking order statuses across multiple projects? Well, Daniel House Club is here to help. Because they're founded by designers like you and have faced the same issues you do, they work to offer the most streamlined process to manage your projects, orders, and delivery statuses all in one place with one log. Daniel House Club is redefining the design business with the industry's lowest trade pricing and flat rate shipping across top vendors like Eichholz, Theodore Alexander, Curry & Co., Forehands, and more. Discover a better way to take control of your business with Daniel House Club. Join as a Pro Plus member today and get 50% off your membership at danielhouse.club backslash BOD. With proven experience, Daniel House Club has strategies in place to serve design teams of every size so you can take control of your business. Let's rejoin Kylie. She's going to talk about the logistics of running her company. We run our business as the hub. We're the hub of the project. We are, and most, I'm going to say 98% of the time, they're using our preferred contractors. So our contractors know that everything filters through us. So the contractor doesn't need to go talk to the client. The client doesn't need to call the contractor. We stay in control of the project that way too. And we let the contractors know at the beginning of the project, which is another fire prevention. This is how we work. And this is how we would like to work. And here's how it benefits you. You know, it's not just for us. It's it's really going to benefit you. So you don't have to deal with all these questions from the client. You Unpack know? that at the beginning of the project, because I think that's important. You're so right. You are setting the stage yep. for preventing so many catastrophes down the road. So give us some examples of what that looks like for you when you first meet your new clients. So when, when I meet my new clients and we're walking through the uh, two-hour consultation, um, we do touch on that, that subject because it usually starts at the end or happens at the end of the, the consultation. And we explain to them, and this is where it gets touchy too, where I can, pre- I can you know, tell my clients that we can refer you to our preferred um, contractors, but I feel like there's still a place where I don't want to push them to use ours but I have to explain the benefit of using ours without sounding like we're, we're pushing them to use Why don't ours. you want to push them? I know we're changing the subject here, but why don't I know, you want to? I know, a little bit. And when you say push, I think that's interesting language because really what you're saying is here's someone that I know and trust that 100% of my clients have liked and trusted. And why is that pushing something onto them rather than offering them a lifeline to a trade that really would do a great job on their project? I think because of the struggles that we've had here, and for me specifically in Las Vegas, is the struggles to find contractors that I'm 100% confident with, like my A-team. That's why I have that feeling right now. I'm getting an A-team back here now. But when I was going out and doing consultations in the last few years, it, it, I was really worried about things going wrong in my projects and it being my contractor's fault. And then they blame me. 
That's, and I'm sure a lot you. of other designers feel that way. They, they're always going to blame they're you. They're always going to blame you. Like, I just, yeah. we just have to accept that. You just, there's no point fighting about that or trying to prevent that. It's always going to be you. So if it's going to be yeah. you, make a lot of money. So when something goes wrong, you can say, <laughs> don't worry about a thing. This is going to get fixed and it's not going to cost you any money. So leave it with me. True. True. Very true. Yeah. That. Yep. Um, so we do explain that to them and we do tell them what the benefit of that is. And that is for me that if we are the hub, we are the ones that, that filter your information from, from you to the contractor, from the contractor to you, there's not going to be any miscommunication of this design and we're not going to miss something. We're your eyes and ears on the project. We're the ones that are going to be uh, making sure the design is followed. You can't be there all the time. So if they go to the contractor and I don't know about it, like you've mentioned in any podcast, and they make changes to this to something and we're not in the loop, it's not going to benefit them <laughs> because they don't know what chain reaction can happen from that one little change that they thought they could make outside of, oh, you know. I have oh. such a good one for you, Kylie, and anybody listening, feel free to use this as an example. So we did a project for clients, who, cottage, a cottage. We'd done their home and then we wanted to do their cottage. And the cottage is about three and a half hours outside of Toronto. So we don't have a trades person who wants to go that far. So we used their contractor. Really nice guy really nice guy. Can't emphasize that enough, but not the best contractor we've ever worked with. So we finished the cottage. Everything is great. They decide they're going to build a garage with a loft above it, which is awesome. Super fun. The contractor talks to the husband and says he's going to move this one window on the garage over to the right a little bit. No big deal, but it's going to be easier because of I don't know why. But that's what happened. We weren't told. So when the walls are going to go up for the bathroom, we now know that the window is going to be half over the sink. Like if you're standing at the sink, you're going to have a half a window in your face where the mirror would go. And there's just not a darn thing we can do about that except for cover the window with a mirror or something. Oh, That is gosh, such a good example, fun. right? Of yes, what happens yes. when you think, it's not a big deal. We're going to move it two feet. What could go wrong? Yeah, exactly. Yeah. Exactly. Yeah. So oh, use those examples when know. you're talking to clients. Here's what could go wrong if you're working directly with a contractor. Here, here you go. Yeah. 100%. Oh, yeah. Definitely. So yeah, that's, that's, that's what we explain to them. And, and, and I'm going to tell you 99% of the time, my clients, like I said, choose to use our contractors because of the confidence that I exude in, you know, our relationship that I've been building with this client and the trust that they have in us. And that's the biggest thing, you know, getting your clients to trust you, you know, having the confidence and, and sharing stories and showing examples is huge to build that trust. So anyway, yeah, that's a, that's why. Do you find also like when I was younger, I would say, oh, don't worry, you know, we're professionals. We're going to, we're going to catch the mistakes and fix the mistakes. I kind of blew it off a little bit where now I'm like, oh yeah, there's going to be a gazillion (laughs) mistakes. You know, we're talking about human error and that's happens every day. So count on problems, count on mistakes, count on frustrations and setbacks. I guarantee you they will happen. But I also guarantee but, you we've dealt with it before yeah. and we'll fix it. Exactly. But it's how you it's how we deal with them and, and how we find solutions. We're solution driven, so 
let the mistakes happen. They're going to happen. I'm dealing with one this morning. I mean, it's every day. We're always dealing with solutions. Uh, yeah. So, but we will fix it. Right. <laughs> that's what we do. That, that is exactly. <laughs> that's why we did. That's why we became a designer. Right. <laughs> how much of the time or how much of your time is spent sending an email where you're kind of reiterating what you talked about on site. Is that part of a strategy to just keep clients, keep managing those clients and their expectations? I don't, you know, so what we do is uh, weekly emails, the Monday emails. That's another setting expectations is another way to prevent fires. So setting client expectations from the beginning, going through your contract and explaining the most important areas is one. The next one too is sending those Monday emails or sending a weekly email, recapping as briefly as you can what's been going on. You don't have to tell them everything. They don't want to know everything. Um, and you don't have to tell them all the fires that you prevented or put up. But but throwing one in there once in a while shows the value of having a designer and um I think that that's something you can put into your Monday emails and let them know that you're taking care of things for them. That, yeah. You know what? That's so funny. I actually realized, I think it was about three summers ago, that I do such a good job of taking care of problems and not involving the clients that sometimes the clients thought there were no problems. And that's kind of mm-hmm. doing a disservice to our team as well. So I agree with you. From time to time, I'll say we had a little hiccup, uh, but we resolved it in the following way. I just let them know that while they're busy enjoying their life, we've been managing the frustrating job of renovating their home. And I just... I didn't figure that out until a, few, until a few years ago. Yeah, yeah. And I do point that out on my, my uh, discovery call. I, I kind of touch on the things that we, that we bring value to a project. I, I let them know that we are um, going to relieve that stress that a project will bring because it's going to happen. Um, and that they may or may not know what's, you know, what we're, we're fixing behind the scenes. So I kind of start at the beginning and I really, I, I kind of prepare them. Like you said, there's going to be problems. It, it, it's inevitable and you know that there will be, um, but that, you know, we will take care of them and, and shield you from the stress yeah. is what we're doing. You know, they're paying us to do this service to make this project is as easy for them as possible yeah. and, and enjoyable at some points. <laughs> well, it can only be enjoyable if I'm the lead. You can only, you're mm-hmm. only going to enjoy this process if you leave it with me. There's no sense in us both worrying about it. Let me, that's what I'm being paid to do, right? And I like exactly. to have that conversation with the clients again prior to step eight. This is where it's going to get, you know, gritty. This is where it's going to be a challenge for you because we're about to invade your home. So you just have that conversation again to let them know. I know we talked about it when we met at the consultation, but this is where it's going to get real. Right. And that's just setting expectations. We have in our, in our Dropbox, I have pre-written what to expect. So I created what to expect at certain stages of a project going through your 15 steps and, and just creating what to expect that we will email out, you know, what to expect at the consultation, what to expect on trade day, what to expect on um, uh, delivery or whatever the milestones are in, in the project. Oh, That's I love like that. Have you shared that document with your boss group? Not yet. Ooh. 
but that reminds me, so I will. That sounds like a good future meeting I want to be at. Oh, yeah. Where are you guys going next? Toronto? Charleston. Charleston. That's right. We've got a couple groups now, so I'm like, Charleston, yes. That's coming up. Oh, my gosh. Like, I'm so excited. I know. Me too. I have not been there. I am so excited to see the architecture there. I'm a, like, I'm, you know, I'm a super modern designer, but I want to see and feel and, and, and get a, get a, a real feeling for that architecture back there. It's just to beautiful. see what I can. Yeah. It really is. I think that's going to be a very special trip for sure. I don't know what everybody's got planned, but I've just been into so many beautiful homes in that area. And I'm like you, I don't really get to decorate like that ever, but I certainly appreciate it when I can see it. Exactly. Exactly. I suppose you also have to assume that your trades don't 100% understand everything you're trying to do on a project. And so you not only have to manage your clients, but you're also having to manage your trades. Definitely. Oh, trades and contractors at some point too, for sure. I can draw out as best as I draw you know, my ideas and it's never enough. I can get a 3d drawing renderings done. If it's not in a, uh, if it's not drafted, it seems like it's so difficult to get any client or any, uh, trades to understand exactly how to do something, you know? And it's like, not all of my projects need a drafter. You know, we just, maybe we're just renovating some, you know, living room wall in a kitchen and we don't need to, to get permits and all of that, you know? It's so it's difficult and that's, yeah, that's a struggle. And I try to be as detailed as I can without being a drafter or, you know, that kind of person. That's difficult. It's you have to be on the job. You have to be right there with them. You do, because I find even as thorough as I would think that we are, and we are pretty thorough, there are still questions sometimes when we go to those site checks. Yep. Which is another way to prevent fires too, is the site visits. You know, I try to, when I, when I'm doing a um, estimation of my project management fees, I, I like to use uh, an Excel spreadsheet to kind of give me, keep my mind focused on what we're doing during the, the phase. Um, and uh, one of those is my site visits. So I always calculate, you know, ex- try to, you know, see how many site visits I'm going to possibly have on this, this project. Um, so I can calculate my estimated cost because I never give somebody, a, you know, a firm number on project management phase. It's all billed monthly. But, you know, a nice, easy project, I'm at least out there once a week myself. Yet you have you know? to be. Otherwise, something is going to get missed. Something's going to be overlooked. We just uh, were on site and we saw instead of the black decor switch covers or whatever, it was white. And when the black... <sighs> marble countertop comes in, boy, those are going to stand out and be horrible. So thank goodness we caught it before it's all installed and the client comes and says, oh, the white looks bad, you know? Right. So those site visits are really important because even if you have it in writing, even if it's on the drying package, even if you've discussed it, human error is a huge factor and it's always going to surprise you how many ways we are capable of screwing up. Always. And, and don't think, yeah. And the designers listening to don't think that you're ever going to run a perfect project. It's not going to happen. It's never going to be perfect. It's never going to be exactly the way you want it without fixes. I think, I don't think I've ever had a perfect project. 
where somebody didn't do something wrong. No, for sure not. I did Ever. have one project, but it's been many, many years where we had no deficiencies at the end because we had taken care of them. But it was a small project and it was just a miracle and it's never happened oh, again. Good. Now it's just like deficiency, <laughs> deficiency, 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 like all the time deficiencies. Yeah. But even if you can get clean deficiencies, it's because you're there and you're you're checking and you're 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 fire preventing. Yeah, you're not if just you wait to the end, oh, oh, so much terrible. worse at the end. Oh yeah, well, I terrible. tell you what, I'm sorry we didn't get to record this when we were at Las Vegas Market, but it was great to see you. And you. Um, I we will put a link to the magazine that you did recently where you're on the cover. So it looks oh, every bit the super glamorous supermodel that she is on the cover of this <laughs> magazine. Crazy. That looked really great. You, I'm sure, are going to keep track of the response that you're getting to this, huh? I will. I will. I'm going to see what the the return is. We actually, we focused on a a couple of zip codes here in Las Vegas um, and had them direct shipped to those zip codes. So we'll see how that, how that pans out. Well, I can't imagine it isn't going to be successful because it just, it looks like a million bucks. Really it does. And Kylie, as you know, we end every episode with design intervention. Is there something that comes to mind as you're speaking to your fellow design community? Oh gosh, there's always so many things because, you know, I've listened to every show. So I, I always have so many things in my head, but I think today, just because of where I'm at in my life, I think that, that we need to find joy. Um, it's been really hard to find joy lately and especially through the last few years because we're so busy, you know, preventing and putting fires out and dealing with issues, but we have to find joy. Do something fun. Don't work your life away. And we're not promised tomorrow. So just have fun. Your clients are having fun. Everybody else is having fun. (laughs) We need to have fun. (laughs) I think that's such good advice. And I think you can also, you need to turn off the clock sometimes and not be at work and just let loose and have fun. But I think I also can be guilty of not making my work day joyful Right? right. And not tapping mm-hmm. into how excited clients are. Like we have a new project starting and between you and me and everybody listening, I'm just not into it. I'm just not that into it. And I keep saying to myself, that's not fair because the clients are yeah. really excited about it. So you have to get it together and figure out how to make this a joyful experience for the clients and also for the team. So yeah. I think that you are speaking to me today. Thank you for that. You are welcome. Anytime. Uh, all right. Well, I will see you in, what, like what, eight weeks or something when we're in Charleston yeah. together? See you in Charleston. I cannot wait. Thank you so, so much. Excited. Thanks, Kimberly. Thanks for listening and supporting the BOD mission to improve the industry one design business at a time. If you're ready to implement an exact business model for running a streamlined, profitable business, field tested by thousands of design professionals around the world, head to businessofdesign.com and get started today. It's time to dramatically improve your business and transform your life.